Coming up, can Drew Jones, Alec Thomas, and Corbin Carroll be the best trio of any outfield in Major League Baseball in a few years? Lindsey Crosby joins the show to discuss that, what makes Drew Jones so special, and so much more. Bringing it all down for you right now. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day listening to who? Those charismatic hosts of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas 24portfoliocom I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks, both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, and of course, Thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. As I mentioned, part two with Lindsey Crosby on today's pod, breaking down a whole bunch of Drew Jones and the D-backs future. So let's jump right into it. Actually, break down to me, Lindsay, as someone who doesn't watch high school tape. I'm sure that's, you know, you're probably doing a little bit more of that than me. I, I you know, I didn't watch too much Drew Jones. I, I still haven't watched a ton of Drew Jones. I'm supposed to get some highlights sent over to me pretty soon. I'll, you know, go through that. I'll comb through that, post it on Twitter or whatever. But explain to me why this kid was considered such a generational talent. What is it in his school, uh, in his skill set that made him the consensus number one guy heading into the draft? Okay, so a couple things is one, obviously premium defensive position. You're looking at center field, looking at shortstop uh, for something like that. So plays what's considered to be the best defensive player in this draft, not just the best defensive outfielder, not just best defensive high schooler, best defensive player in the draft, which makes sense. His father could be argued as one of the best defensive center fielders of all time. Mm-hmm. So I get it. What was it like? Uh, ten gold gloves or something like that? I, th- I think it, yeah, ten, ten gold gloves for his father probably should be in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure he he might get there eventually. Um, <laughs> what's like arm strength? What's considered to be either plus or plus plus? So either a sixty grade or a seventy grade. One of the strongest arms in the draft as far as position players go. Uh, and then something where very just very loud tools, very very fast. One of the fastest runners in the draft. Very good with the reads, the routes, the reactions, the things we always talk about when it comes to a to a defender. How quickly can they recognize what the ball is doing and put themselves in the proper position to make the play? Um, you know, very very good at that. Which again makes sense based on who his dad was. I do think that there's a little bit of question about his swing as well as where his power is going to end up. He's six four, like one seventy. He was 18 years old. He, he has some physical development left to do. He'll put on some muscle. Um, we see, I, I think right now it's probably above average raw power. We have it come finishing out as above average game power versus plus. Like we're not looking at him being a 40 home run guy. We're talking about him hitting 20 to 25 home runs, but as one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. So more than enough to stick at center field. And then his swing isn't the prototypical swing that you would want to see. He sometimes would get out of sync upper, like upper body to lower body, which again, he's 18 years old. Things like that happen. 
Uh, it's it's not the traditional looking swing because it's it's his swing. He's figured out what works for him. I'm sure his dad's taught him quite a bit. And so conventional scouts sometimes look down on those guys that don't hit all the prototypes. You know, a pitcher who's too short or, um, you know, a, a hitter whose swing doesn't look like the textbook. Kevin Parada of Georgia Tech is a guy who his swing doesn't look prototypical, but it's a really good swing. It works for him, obviously. Drew Jones, his swing isn't always prototypical, but it works for him. So I think there's that's probably why he got dropped down. But at the end of the day, above average power, uh, plus hitter, one of the best arms of a defender in the draft, the best defender in the draft, one of the fastest players in the draft. That's why he is the best player in the draft. That's why he's number two pick. And he's probably going to go on to have the most war of anybody in this draft class if I had to put money on it right now. Yeah, and I don't even think I care about, you know, the fluidity of his swings. I just care yeah. about the results. I mean, I look at the Greek God walks. I look at guys like Giancarlo Stan. Like, those guys got weird stances and weird swings, and those guys were – But it works. Yeah, it works. As long as it works, like, that's – baseball's a results-based business. If you're hitting mm-hmm. 300 and putting up numbers, like, it really doesn't matter um, what your swing is or how you're doing it. But just but like – there the, are teams where that genuinely matters. In their scouting yeah. departments, there are teams that still have that hang-up. The Nationals are kind of infamous for this. And so when you're looking at – at trade packages for Juan Soto, you have to keep in mind what they want. And they're very much a traditional scout team. They want the guy that you see him, you're like, oh, that's a ball player. He looks like a ball player. He swings like a ball player. He throws like, like you want the prototypical guy. There's teams still kind of stuck in that mindset. And I think it's not a coincidence that the Nationals are stuck in that mindset. They're also stuck in the bottom of the National League East. Yeah, I think you just cemented my idea that Juan Soto is going to – the Nationals are going to get fleeced in a Juan Soto deal because they're mm-hmm. going to probably go after some prospects that they shouldn't. But just uh, a weird, quick, side tangent, weird question. Do you think – do you foresee the draft moving forward in the future maybe being dominated more by um, second-generation baseball players? Because I feel like the last few drafts, when you look at the Jack Leiters, the, uh, you look at the Drew Jones, the Jackson Holidays, I feel like a lot of the guys at the top of the draft are second-generation players. And I wonder, now that we're going to see more of these guys coming in, the Vlag Road Juniors, do you think um, – like, can you tell – there's that there's like a difference when you watch these guys who are like the sons of athletes versus you know guys who aren't it so i think and i i actually saw some some research about this recently somebody actually went and kind of did a paper on some of this stuff and the thought process is there is a correlation between the the athletic components of the father and the son and so you have more information about the son's likely physical outcomes based on what their father did. And then as you get farther along and training gets more advanced and players are in general more prepared than they were 20 years ago, uh, the small things are what makes the difference between players. And those players like a Drew Jones, like a Jackson Holiday, who grow up around the game, who are in major league clubhouses at a young age, they typically pick up a lot of the intangible stuff that helps separate them from a t- similarly talented player who wasn't in that baseball environment for as long. So Elijah Green, his dad was an NFL tight end. You can kind of see that in him, in the height, in the power, in the speed. But baseball instinct-wise, he wasn't in a baseball environment at the age of two. He was in an NFL locker room. And so it's a little bit of a different 
background and therefore it's a little bit of a different knowledge of the game and understanding deep understanding of baseball i think i i kind of think that's why you see more athletes of ball players drafted so high it's because they have that little bit of an edge that sets them apart because they've been around the game so long yeah i think the intangible thing is the biggest thing you bring up because i think you're going to see a lot of mannerisms from drew jones that remind you of his father i think we see that a lot with second generation players you're going to see those overlays where drew mm-hmm. jones is going to have some swing and then they're going to show his father swing on the right side and be like man that's like the same ball player but i think what you said from the intangibles is probably the biggest thing what they see with these second generation athletes just because they're around the game so much growing up i just think they have a different level of maturity are you okay over there Lindsay? yeah <laughs> okay no problem looks like they have a different level of maturity as well when they're entering the game like someone like patrick mahomes like he's someone that grew up mm-hmm. around the game and i just think you see that there's a different maturity level when these guys come in as opposed to guys who might not be um second generation athletes but back on drew jones um i saw some things um some comps maybe to bryce harper you know that would be phenomenal scenario if he turns into bryce harper i want to hear the lindsey crosby comp who do you think drew jones could be on the major league level I can't wait to hear that comp by Lindsey Crosby of who he thinks Drew Jones can be on the major league level. But I want to own a piece of Drew Jones' future. And the best place to do that is the sports card investor app. Because growing up, I had a whole bunch of baseball cards. They were passed down from my grandfather. And watching this D-backs team now, like their core is so young. I want to own a part of the D-backs future. And the best place to do that is the sports card investor app. Because the sports card investor app is the hobby's most powerful resource Quickly check the value of your favorite cards, find great deals, and profit from the hobby you love. Available completely free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores, the Sports Card Investor app is a must-have for baseball fans. It's completely free. Easily browse over 630,000 cards from every sport with hundreds more added each week. Check the latest values of your favorite cards with 7-day or 30-day charts. Find the best prices and buy directly through the app with our eBay deals feature. Right now, download the Sports Card Investor app today. Available for free in the Google Play and Apple App Stores or go to sportscardinvestor.com backslash locked on. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back to the pod. Oh, that's tough. Um, I would say with a little bit less power, like it, it, it sounds, it sounds like a cop out almost. Uh, a little bit less power. Watching him play, like watching him field fly balls, watching him run the bases, watching him hit, reminds me a lot of watching his dad. I'm cop out. I'm calling it Lindsay. And so, like, I see a lot of the Andrew Jones defense in his game. I don't know if he'll have the peak of, you know, top three defensive center footer of all time, but he looks a lot like it. Offensively, I think the Bryce Harper comp is a good one. Um, he's got the size. I don't quite think he'll hit for as much power as Bryce Harper does. That's why I'm a little bit hesitant there. I think he's going to be a 20 to 25 home run guy versus a 35 home run guy. Um, but he definitely has the potential to get there. He has the frame. He can fill out and do that. I would just be concerned about what happened to his dad. Where around age 26, 27, his dad started to slow down because he put on size trying to hit for more power. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm a little hesitant to kind of push that same thing onto him. Um, 
I like the Bryce Harper comp for the most part. I do think his dad's a pretty decent comp though, as far as um, what he's going to look like playing effortless defense in center field, consistent hitting, um, incredible speed, incredible arm. Yeah, I think the way he fills out is going to be probably one of the biggest things I watch from him because, like you said, six mm-hmm. four, but only one seventy. Like Lindsay, I just weighed myself at the gym today. I checked in at one eighty. So if I got ten pounds on Drew Jones, but five inches shorter, like my man needs to eat a couple built bars probably and put on <laughs> some weights because we we need this man to bulk up. Now we don't want him to get too big. We still want that speed component, but he's able yeah. to do that like that thirty thirty kind of a guy. Like that's not uh, something the D backs really have on their roster currently. But maybe by the time Drew Jones uh, gets elevated. Um, um, the D-backs will have a couple of those guys. But I did want to ask you, because comparing him to Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper drafted, then basically in a year, he makes it to the major league level. How quickly, if he is this generational guy, how quickly can Drew Jones, be, despite being only 18 years old when he's drafted, how quickly do you think he can make it to the major league level? Because I think Harper made it by the time he was 19. Yeah, I see him as a, depending on where the assignment is this year. Does he go into a ball? Does he go to rookie ball? What does he do this year? I see him as two years. I think he could be at the major league level. Um, now it's something where his dad made it at age 19. I think his dad also got into got into professional baseball earlier because he was an international uh, free agent. So uh, I, I think the two-year time frame is good. Now where that falls in the season, whether it's early in the season, late in the season, I'm not quite sure. Uh, obviously provided he stays healthy, but I think two years is reasonable simply because it takes a little bit longer now because we know so much about these players already. I've already seen scouting reports about um, different players in the draft and how to attack them like from the pitching perspective and where the holes in their swing are stuff that even just a decade ago, we didn't have that from prep players yet. And so I think the adjustment period's a little bit longer than Bryce Harper had, but not much longer. I do think it's a two-year, and he's there. And then remind me, do these guys go to, like, the rookie ball right after the draft? Like, in a couple weeks, can I see Drew Jones playing? So it's it, it's up to the teams. What a lot of them will do is they'll bring them in, depending on how long their spring season was, whether it was college or pro, they'll either give them the rest of the summer off or they'll put them in rookie ball uh, if they give them the summer off, they typically hold them off into in, into instructional league in the fall. The Arizona Fall League, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but either way, they're probably going to be at the facility doing extended spring training, um, working with some of the rookie level hitters, even if they're not playing in games yet. Um, so like a lot of players flew out uh, on Monday or on Tuesday or, or on Wednesday to go out and to meet their teams for the first time. And they're going to start working right away. Even if they don't get any games, they'll be at the facilities. They'll be in drills. They'll be in the cages, but there's a good chance. You see a guy like a drew Jones pretty quickly in rookie ball this year. If they're smart, they put him in, in rookie ball. And if he does well, which I expect he will, they go ahead and give him a cup of coffee in a ball this year. Yeah, I hope we get a little, at least a little glimpse or a taste of Drew Jones. Because last year, Jordan Lawler, as soon as he got to rookie ball, he got like hurt in his first or second game mm-hmm. during his shoulder. So he didn't get to see much of the season by Lawler. But look, he had a great bounce back season in his real first year in Major League Baseball. So great to see that from Lawler. But to switch gears just a little bit real quick and then tie it all back together. Do you think we could see Corbin Carroll this season? I don't know. Mm. I I. I hope we can. I want Corbin Carroll. I enjoy watching Corbin Carroll play baseball. I don't necessarily think that they see the need to bring him up that quickly. So it's 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 something where there's a conversation in player development about if you promote a guy too early, you run the risk of 
damaging his confidence if he struggles. He's got four games in AAA, 58 games in AA. It's not without um, it's not without precedent. The Braves called up Michael Harris after 53 games in, in AA, and he's doing just fine in Atlanta. Um, so I think it's possible. Part of it depends on where is this team in the last month of the season? Are they in contention for a for a wild card spot? Are they clearly out of it? What do you have to lose by bringing him up and having him play bad? But if it's me, if the games don't matter in August, September, they won't. I, win. I give him a shot. Yeah, no, I don't think you got to worry about that. I don't think the games are going to matter um, anytime soon. And Corbin Carroll, he's at least been on the AAA level already this year, so he won't be at least jumping from AA yeah. right to major leagues like Michael Harris. And when he got to the AAA level, what did he do immediately? He just started smashing home runs and just picked up where he left off in AA. And I wonder, like some people have thrown out, like because AAA, it's the Reno Aces, a little bit higher altitude, so it always seems like guys have higher numbers than AAA, and then they come to the D-backs, and it's like, huh, are you as good as we thought you were? So it's always a, a little bit in the back of my head when I see these guys, but I'm hoping Corbin Carroll gets called up Pretty relatively soon. I think a lot of it might just depend on the trade deadline because the D-backs seem... What do you want to say, Lindsay? I'll let you jump Sorry. in. I was going to say, the two games at AAA, one of them, he actually went two for four on the road and one for four at home. He hit the home run on the road. Okay, okay, there you go. Never mind. So, yeah, just be like, shut up, Millard. What are you talking about? But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the home the road. Yeah, so Corbin Carroll, I think, is going to be a beast. But I think it could depend um, if he gets called up this season or not on the trade deadline because yeah. David Peralta is on the final year of his contract. I think he could be this year's like Eddie Rosario or Jorge Soler for another team. Guys like Jordan Luplo, uh, even a Cooper Hummel. Like I think the D-backs could unload like three or four outfielders and still have Varsho, Alec Thomas, and like a Jake McCarthy. And then if they want to call up a Corbin Carroll, I think they wouldn't be opposed to that as well. So I think the trade deadline could be a big pivot point to whether the D-backs call up Carroll or not. But if they wait till next season, I think it will probably be like Alec Thomas where maybe they do a month in the minor leagues and then, all right, second month on, you're coming up, buddy. Give him just enough time to get past, uh, you know, to not get a full year of service time and then call him up, you know? No. Classic, classic manipulation. Yeah. It's just disgusting that, that baseball does that. But I only have a couple more questions for you, Lindsay, because we've already been talking for a hot minute, so I hope you're comfy in that chair. Probably pretty warm at this point. But let's say Drew Jones gets elevated to the major league level. We got... Drew Jones, we got Dalton Varsho, we got Alec Thomas, we got Corbin Carroll all in the major leagues, but that's basically four outfielders. So who would you say is the odd man out in that group? Or do we just put someone at the DH role? What happens? What would you do, Lindsay? Lindsay's going to tell us if the D-backs have the best outfield of the future. But if you're a small business looking for people to hire, you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs because as the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
Right now, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. podcast i think varsho is the odd man out he's playing catcher um you know and i know carson kelly's there right now but i just for sake of you know for sake of conversation mm-hmm. i think that of those four varsho is definitely the one out um all three these the other three guys they're all center fielders i mean alec thomas corbin carroll um drew jones are all center fielders and i've actually gone back and forth and back and forth on what i think the proper defensive alignment for this team would be and i think i finally figured it out that's so because of the arm alec thomas is in left Mm. okay Okay. um drew jones center field and corbin carroll with the cannon that he has is in right field and it's something where your center fielder has to run more And this is something that the Braves made a big point about last year with Ronald Acuna. They said, we're not going to put Ronald Acuna in center field because he has so much more running to do because you're running left and right to back up both sides. And Carroll being a little bit of a shorter guy compared to the taller Drew Jones, I feel like let's move Corbin Carroll to right, save the wear and tear on his body, and let him use that cannon while Drew Jones plays center field because obviously he has the build for it. He's able to do it. Now, I could also see the Diamondbacks saying, if we think Drew Jones is going to slow down like his dad did, we'll just start off with Corbin Carroll in center and take the bigger dude and put him in right to begin with. I can see both those scenarios. But if it's me and I'm giving you the best defensive lineman for one game, I'm putting Carroll in right, I'm putting Drew Jones in center, and I'm putting Alex Thomas in left. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to see how they play out because Alec Thomas in center field this season, he just looks freaking phenomenal. Very good. Though with his instincts and just like his jump to the ball, like that first reaction time he has has been insane. So if you're saying like he might be like the third best outfielder potentially in that group with Carroll and Drew Jones, like I don't know how you're gonna get a ball into the gap against that team. I genuinely think that when all three guys are up, that is the best outfield in baseball. And that is probably one of the best outfields in baseball in modern baseball history that is that is the the peak of the potential of this group i mean like it sounds hyperbolic but name me a better outfield in modern baseball than those three players if they all hit the projections that we expect and of course the d-backs still have carson kelly but it's not like he's been great the last couple of years in a d-backs uniform and maybe you just say varsho you're actually gonna be our full-time dh in the days where we want to platoon you with carson kelly you'll just bat against the right-handed pitcher so you could still have kelly as maybe your full-time everyday catcher or dalton varsho as your dh and still have those two backing up at the same time as well here's what i have for you here's here's oh. my proposal for the roster okay 2026 oh. you've got thomas and left you've got drew jones in center You've got um, uh, Carol in right. Kettle Marte is your second baseman. Kevin Parada. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not Kevin Parada. <laughs> um, not, not Kevin Parada. Ivan Melendez. <laughs> we don't have a part of it. Ivan Melendez is your first baseman. Okay. Christian Walker, who is in his final year of arbitration, um, of arbitration is your DH. Oh. 
Dalton Varsho is your full-time catcher. Kettle Marte, obviously, still at second base. Um, shortstop, I believe we've talked about the shortstop already. We know who that's going to be. Yeah. Josh Rojas is in his final year of arbitration eligibility in 2026. So if you can find – like, so he can play third, or preferably you find some sort of upgrade – not that I think Rojas is great, but you find some sort of upgrade and he's your utility man that gives people a day off and can play just about anywhere but center field. I think that is a contending for the division and has you in the running for a World Series lineup right there. Yeah, well, yeah, I think the that lineup I think is could be freaking phenomenal because also someone like Rojas, I mean, he like you say upgrade, like I just don't know with Rojas because he's just blown away my expectations. Like he's just gotten better mm-hmm. every single season. He's been really good this year because he was basically the throwing piece in that Zach Ranky trade. And he's been the best prospect so far from that deal. So I'm like, I don't really want to put a ceiling on Josh Rojas just yet, just because he keeps getting better. And if it comes to the point where he's like your super utility guy, like we've seen Rojas play every position in the infield, basically outfield. Yeah. Like he definitely could do that and be like, maybe like a Ben Zobers type or something like that. And Ben Zobers was like a borderline all-star as well. So I think that could still be a pretty good scenario for Rojas, mm-hmm. but if he's the third baseman of the future, like that just a straight up win for the D-backs considering the other three prospects you got back in the in the Zachary trade just hasn't worked out. But do you actually look at the D-backs as maybe potentially having the best young core in baseball the next five years, or are there any other teams that you actually like better than the D-backs right now after naming those five, six right. guys that you brought up? So, so position players, I definitely think that's one of the better cores in baseball right there. I I do have to look at, and it's not as it's not as robust, and so they're definitely a tier behind, but I think about some of the guys the Royals have coming up right now with Bobby Witt and Vinny Pascantino and Melendez. Uh, I'm thinking about the Orioles with, with Rutschman and Henderson and you know s- some of those guys, but I feel like the Diamondbacks, more so than one of those other teams, have the depth all the way around the diamond, whether it's infield, whether it's outfield, whether it's catching. I mean, you'll have Kelly and and Varsho both under team control still in 26. The one thing that I am concerned about is you'll be outside of the window of a lot of these pitchers. You'll either have to have already paid them or you'll be waiting for the next wave of pitchers to come up. And so, I mean, there's guys in the system. Don't get me wrong. There are pitchers in the system that I like, but I worry about the like how the pitchers ETAs line up with these with this core position players. And I think it's really easy to go out, spend a little bit of money on a couple ace pitchers, develop guys around them, and have a World Series contending roster in 2026. Yeah, I think that's the idea I'm coming around to. You just might have to go out there and just actually spend money on pitchers and don't spend $200 million on one guy. Like, go out there and get a couple guys like a Taiwan Walker and someone else who you had in your rotation at one point. You've shown that you don't have to spend a ton of money because you have a pitching coach who can take guys and develop them into fantastic ballplayers. You don't have to spend a ton of money on guys. You can go find guys with the traits that you like that'll work well in the dry air there in the desert and bring them in and let the pitcher, the pitching coach do his work and turn them into if he's still around. Yeah, and, and, yeah, he's a little older, <laughs> a little older uh, yeah. and and make them into competitive pitchers. But yeah, go out, spend some money. Don't be afraid to get some pitchers. By then, you'll have a bunch of pitchers who will be available. You'll have, um, I mean, Max Freed's up for free agency between oh, now and then. Alan got, I mean, I don't know if Atlanta's going to resign him or not. We don't know. Uh, there's there's a bunch of big name pitchers that will come up. Most of the Dodgers pitchers will be available by then. So, I mean, there's plenty of guys you can go out and spend money on and get to to fit in with this core. And it's going to be a really easy sell. Like, hey, 
you've got three center fielders in the outfield behind you. If they make contact, it's fine. Just keep it in the park. Yeah. And it's not like you have to go out there and just get the Zach Rinky or the most expensive pitcher on the market. If you get like a Chris Bassett or Taiwan Walker, those two and three guys who just help round out your rotation and just make it so much deeper and make it so much stronger, because that's just the biggest issue I have with the D backs. Like, I don't know if Brent Schaum's going to be there in a few years. I just have no confidence in the development from the pitching perspective because it seems like every top pitching prospect that comes to the D-backs minor league system they might have a hot flash or two they might have a good season or two but it seems like they always end up struggling and so I've been happy with Zach Gallon's development but even he like the last couple of years just hasn't looked as same as he did when he first came into the major league so I'm hoping the D-backs can figure it out from a pitching perspective because the guys like Kevin Ginkles of the world like those guys just I thought they were going to be good for the D-backs we saw flashes and then they just kind of faltered and, and flamed out a little bit so hopefully the D-backs can get back on track from a pitching perspective because it feels like like you said this lineup is going to be one of the best in baseball in this in the next few years yeah and the good thing is there's a bunch of pitchers that are kind of higher up in the minors in the top 10 that are that are options and so the good thing is you'll have time to figure out because like right now in your top 10 you've got what six pitchers i mean nelson fat jameson henry sassoni Walsh. like you've got like six pitchers in there you have time to figure out which one of those are going to hit and which one of those are not and then go spend money to supplement around them. If you can get two pitch, two starting pitchers out of those six, and then you go supplement with free agents, dangerous team. And if you get more than two, if you get three or four of these guys to hit, especially one of them to hit their ceiling and be a number two for you, or you know maybe even a number one, look out. Yeah, I'm hoping we see like the Ryan Nelsons or the Drew Jamisons like this season, especially like after the trade deadline, because those guys mm-hmm. are like 26 years old. It's not like they're 21 year old prospects. Like they're in their mid twenties. They're older dudes. And hopefully the D backs can unload like a mass and bum garner of someone, you know, for willing to pay half his contract or something like that, or another mm-hmm. veteran guy that we have in the back end of the bullpen. So you can at least call up a young guy and give him a few starts. So we'll see what the D backs decide to do here at the trade deadline. Hopefully they call up the Corbin Carroll's of the world. And hopefully some of these young pitchers they did. I just saw before we recorded this uh, podcast, they just DFA'd Dallas Keiko, which I've been asking for because why is this old man who's not good in our rotation on a team that's not competitive? Makes absolutely no sense. The only link that he had was with Brent Strom. And now that even Brent Strom couldn't save Dallas Keiko, I'm glad Keiko is off the roster. But Lindsey Crosby, done. we've done 50 minutes. The listeners don't know that, but I've had you here for 50 minutes. You answered my laundry list of questions. So I thank you, Lindsey, because I'm going on vacation next week. By the time the listeners are listening to this, I may or may not be on vacation, but you just banked me at least two or three episodes. So Lindsey Crosby, before we head out today, any last words or thoughts for on Drew Jones or any of the D-backs prospects? Or any, you know, It didn't even have to be about D-backs. There's any baseball feeling, your spirit. What are you feeling right now this is the best time of the year because everybody has either picked up some great players in the draft and they're feeling good about the future of their franchise or we're at the trade deadline and they're feeling like hey we can go get a piece or two and make a run this is one of the best times of the year right here coincidentally also the busiest time of the year separate these things a bit but um Diamondback fans, feel good about your team. Feel good about the direction of this organization. And know you're not going to be picking in the top three for a while. Well, maybe after this season. We'll maybe see. after this season. Well, <laughs> yeah. there's a draft lottery, too. Oh, oh, that's right. Uh, so we'll see what happens. That's Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects. The YouTube listeners, they might know where to find you. But where can the people who are just on audio list, just on audio find you, Lindsey? 
I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked and Prospects, is available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, and then you can find us on Twitter at Locked On Farm. If you have questions for the show, we do mailbags every Monday. Uh, send those to me, send those to the show, or just email us, LockedOnMLBProspects at gmail.com. Lindsay, thanks for hopping on today, sir, and I'll catch you next time. That's it for this edition of the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Shout out Lindsey Crosby, who's been a busy man this past week with draft coverage. I am very thankful for him carving out time to hop on the D-backs prospect and break down Drew Jones. Not a better man in this industry, breaking down prospects and farm systems, and he's part of the Lockdown Network. So super happy to be co-workers with Lindsey Crosby. Come back next week for more Diamondbacks News coverage insight. Go back and catch up on any pods you might have missed this week. Now, I do have to say, next week, I will be on vacation. I'm going to Puerto Rico, so all my pods next week will be pre-recorded, so no live D-backs reactions. If there's breaking news, I might be able to record a pod. I'm taking my microphone with me but i am going to be on puerto i am going to be in puerto rico on island time i'm probably gonna be drinking having a good time so don't expect a live pod for me next week i'm just letting you know that right now most of them pretty much i'm gonna have the whole week pre-recorded next week if there's some if the d-backs get breaking news and they trade for juan soto guess what we'll we'll do an emergency pod but outside of that don't expect any live pods next week so you're gonna have to wait a couple of weeks from now to hear some more live pods once again, but we're still going to have great conversations next week with Javier Reyes, power ranking the best lineups in baseball, power rankings the best road, power ranking the best rotations in baseball, and so much more. I have conversations, hopefully, with Silly Baseball recorded too next week. So come back next week for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Deuces!